All right. Good afternoon, everybody, or good morning, depending where you might be. You have tuned in to KHeatRadio.com, and you are just in time for the situation with Jersey Joe. Joe, how are you today? Awesome. I'm great. Yourself? I'm I'm wonderful now that I'm with you. This is good. <laughs> Glad to hear it. I'm going to learn something today. Uh, that's my goal, is to always educate. There you go. So, um, uh, Haas, for, uh, for people don't know me, um, I'm, uh, I'm currently based in Jersey, although I've spent 25 years in, in uh, Colorado. I moved back to Jersey recently, uh, engineer by training, but I tra- I've, uh, was an executive for a Fortune 50 company. I founded and, and ran a couple of multi-million dollar companies, many of which uh, continue to operate today. I've been involved in the world of venture capital. I sit on the boards of directors of some oil field services company. Um, I've worked with companies in uh, on five different continents. Uh, I've uh, started businesses in communist China, working with the Chinese government as my partner. So I've kind of got a, a pretty global perspective. And, and the focus of the show is news and perspective you won't hear on TV. And, and what do I mean by perspective? And, and here's an example. You might hear a story on the evening news that sounds something like this. Today in the Senate, Republicans blocked the vote on the Save the Baby Seals Act, followed by a soundbite from somebody like Chuck Schumer saying nasty things about the Republicans who moved to block, to block the vote on that bill. What you won't hear in the news is why they blocked the vote on passing that legislation. Do you really think it's because Republicans hate baby seals or that they like the taste of baby seal meat? Clearly, the answer is neither. So one of my goals for each and every show I do is to not only tell you about stories you probably either didn't hear on the evening news, but to also tell you the reasons why when you do hear stories on TV about some of your elected representatives and how they voted on certain bills the way they did, the reasons they voted uh, voted that way and the reasons might surprise you. I also intend to bring some of my favorite quotes uh, during each broadcast and to include in each broadcast something I call a taxpayer relief shot. These are stories about private citizens using deadly force to protect their own lives and the lives of others from death or serious bodily injury at the hands of thugs or assailants. When the legal use of that deadly force by private citizens results in the death of a thug or assailant, it saves the taxpayers the cost of a jury a jury trial the cost of a public defender, and the fifty to 75000 a year that it takes to keep a, crim- a criminal in prison. Now, what are we going to cover today? Well, today I intend to cover a bunch of things, starting with the coming power and agricultural crisis that is bearing down on our Western states and how it will affect you, even if you don't live in any of those states, and why the push for more electric vehicles will make that crisis even worse, and why wind and solar power is not the answer in either the short term or the long term. Time permitting, I will also cover my recent trip to a place I call Bernieville and the Biden's administration about face on its position on certain labor unions um, and how the FAA labor shortage are continuing to flight delays and flight cancellations, why the Minneapolis school district's most recent teacher's uh, contract, I believe, is racist and why not getting enough vitamin E in your diet can lead to early onset Alzheimer's, among a host of other problems. Um, how does that sound for a starter? Sounds like we're going to need about three days to cover all of that, but let's <laughs> get going. I'm, I'm anxious to hear. All right. We're going to start my quote of the day. It comes from the late, great George Carlin, and I love this quote from him. 
He said, think of how stupid the average person is and then realize that half of them are stupider than that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you need an example, even, even the big corporations have noticed that. If you've been in the grocery store recently, if you look down at the, in the soda aisle, they've got these big packages, typically 12 packs. Well, Coca-Cola has come out with a 15 pack, 15 cans of soda in a pack. But they felt the need on that 15 pack to add a little note. Three more cans than a 12 pack. Do they really need to tell us that a 15 pack has three more cans than a 12 pack? Well, Thank obviously. God. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God they did, because I would have been terribly confused. Oh, man. And uh, and if you don't believe that half the people are, unfortunately for, for many of us, a lot of those people who are uh, stupid and the average person, at least in my opinion, some of them have managed to get elected to Congress and get elected <laughs> year after year after year. Yeah. So, uh, feel free to disagree with me. All right. Let's move on to our power and agricultural price, uh, crisis. First, a little history. The Hoover Dam outside of Las Vegas uh, was built during the Great Depression, and it was built not because they wanted to save water, but it was built to be a power plant. They dammed up the Colorado River, and in damming the river, they created Lake Mead, which didn't exist before. And Lake Mead uh, filled the valley to a height of over a thousand feet, about 1,100 feet. Um, and at the bottom of the Hoover Dam, if any of you have ever been to the Hoover Dam, there's a tour you can take. And in the base of the dam, there's a power plant where there are big turbines powered by water. And those turbines spin electric generators. And at their peak, those turbines were producing two megawatts of electric power every second. And half of that power goes to California, 25% goes to Nevada, and the other 25% goes to Arizona. Now, uh, I don't know if any of your listeners watched 60 Minutes this past Sunday. They did a great segment on this problem. But over the past decade, the water level in Lake Mead and also Lake Powell, by the way, Lake Powell and Lake Mead are both connected by the Colorado River, which originates in Colorado, travels 1,400 miles all the way down to Mexico. Um, and both Lake Powell and Lake Mead were created by uh, by dams, by damming up. And there's a uh, power plant on Lake Powell. And there's also the, the primary one we're going to talk about is the Hoover Dam power plant. Over the past decade or so, the water level in Lake Mead has fallen by more than 150 feet. And for those of you not engineers, the amount of power you can get from a turbine is a, is a function, is proportional to the height of the water above the turbine. The higher the water, the greater the pressure, the greater the pressure, the more power you can get. Well, due to this 150 foot drop in water pressure, excuse me, in water elevation at Lake Mead, the output of the dam has already fallen off by 33%. And so far this year, the water level in the lake has been falling at the rate of 3.7 feet per month. Now, somewhat not too far below the top of the dam are the inlets uh, for those turbines at the base of the dam. And those inlets are about oh, 200 feet below the top of the dam. And once the water level falls below those inlets, no more water goes down through the inlets into the turbines and it stops producing power. Um, and also the water flow that continues on from the dam and into uh, Arizona and California will stop. Well, what does this mean? Well, 
As I mentioned before, California gets one megawatt of power from the, uh, the power plant at the Hoover Dam. And if that uh, power plant stops producing electricity, and at the rate it's going, it'll be something just four years from now. Now, California is already buying power from places like Nevada and Arizona because they've been on this crusade to shut down their own fossil fuel plants and all of their nuclear plants. They want to be fossil fuel free. They want to be nuclear energy free. Um, two years ago, when it got really, really hot, they went to Nevada and Arizona and they said, hey, it's really hot. Everybody's running the air conditioners. We need to buy some power. And you know what Nevada and Arizona told them? <laughs> I hope. I hope I know. Well, the answer is, sorry, California, we're using, we, we need everything we're producing. We have nothing to sell you. Good. And that, and that resulted in uh, rolling blackouts in California. Now, they didn't do that with the power from the Hoover Dam because that is, dead, you know, they, they are entitled to half of that. But they've been needing to augment that by buying power from other coal burning and natural gas burning power plants. But if that water level drops and at the rate it's going, it will stop producing power in about four years. And when that happens, California is going to be hurting. Um, yeah. And so talk about making a bad situation worse. California is just hell bent on, on pushing electric cars. They, they've already banned the construction of new gas stations. Uh, places like San Francisco said, if you build a new house, you build a new apartment complex, it has to be all electric. No more natural gas stoves, no more natural gas water wow. heaters. Um, it, you're, everything has to be all, all electric. So here you have California that's already been dealing with on again, off again, power shortages, staring a massive loss of electric power in about 48 months. And meanwhile, they're piling demand onto the grid. So what are they going to do when the Hoover Dam stops producing power? Um, and by the way, wind and solar is, uh, by the way, I have nothing against wind and solar. I think it's great, but, but here's why it isn't either the short-term or long-term solution. On average, wind and solar produces about 11% of our electric power. Now, averages are a funny thing. You know, I tell people that the average American has one breast and one testicle, but you don't want to be in the clothing business selling clothes to the average American. Um, <laughs> so let me tell you about that 11% average. Um, you know, you take it over, over 8,000 hours in a year, and on average, it's going to be 11%. Now, I used to live in Syracuse, New York, and on a cold, snowy, cloudy, rainy day, the output of wind and solar in a place like Syracuse, New York, isn't 11%, it's zero. Now, there are a few days, you take a nice 70-degree breezy day in the spring when all the office buildings and factories are shut and the wind turbines are spinning, you might for a few hours on a Sunday afternoon when nobody's running AC and nobody's running heaters and nobody's running elevators and manufacturing equipment, you might even get up to 40 or 50% of your power coming from wind and solar. But even then, it has to be augmented with either nuclear or fossil fuel generated power. So when you plug in your electric car to charge your electric car, since wind and solar is always brought on by the utility as part of their base load, if it's there, they use it. It's the very first power source they, they add to the grid. Once you go past that base load, any incremental or additional load is handled by burning more fossil fuel. So 
as you add electric cars and electric stoves and electric water heaters to the demand, you're basically saying we want somebody to burn more fossil fuels to make more electricity for us. And California has already said, and it won't be us. Yeah. So it's kind of a, a not, in a, you ever heard of NIMBY, not in my backyard? Yeah. So California is kind of a NIMBY state. We don't want fossil fuel generation plants in our state, but we want other states to keep operating them so we can have power to power our uh, our coal burning electric cars. Yeah, so absolutely. That, now, nothing, nothing hypocritical about that at all. <laughs> nothing hypocritical. Now, you say, well, I don't live in California. I don't live in Arizona. Why should I care? Well, you may not be aware of this, but Car uh, California, Arizona are huge agricultural producers. Um, about half the lettuce you get in your grocery store, particularly in the wintertime, is coming from California. Um, they use massive amounts of water from the Colorado River, uh, as does Arizona, for irrigation, agricultural irrigation. The Central Valley of California is one of the most fertile uh, areas for producing things like lettuce. Tomato. In fact, uh, Heinz has a, a massive plant there where they make tomato sauce and ketchup. There are tons and tons and tons of, of tomatoes, uh, lettuce, strawberries, you know, grown there. And if they stop getting water and stop producing things like lettuce, when you go to the grocery store, if you can find it, you're going to be paying double or triple for lettuce. And in another show, I'll explain why even a 5% imbalance between supply and demand can result in the doubling or tripling of, a, of the price of a commodity. Uh, we've seen that in oil. You get a 5% uh, shortage of supply versus demand, and you've seen the price of oil double. And I'll talk about who controls the price of oil in coming shows, and hint, it's not the oil companies. So, um, so that's where we are. Uh, Lake Mead is quickly approaching dead, dead, what's I call dead pool status, because once it drops below the level of the intake, there'll be no more power being generated and there'll be no more water flowing from the Hoover Dam down through Arizona into California, which will impact agriculture in those states. So um, anyway, uh, if any of you, your listeners are in California, you might want to ask Governor Newsom what he intends to do when he stops getting power and water from the Hoover Dam. I'd, I'd love to know what his answer is. So me, me too. I really would. All right. That's crazy. Right. It's, it's crazy. All right. Um, Haas, you ever been to a place called Bernieville? You know, I, I thought about going there once, but I, I wasn't able to, to make it because of COVID. So I haven't well, been there yet. Well, I hadn't either up until this past weekend. And this past week, you know, I've, I've only been back in Jersey a short time and decided to go do some exploring. So, you know, I, I jumped in my car and started taking a trip. And I must have made a wrong turn because pretty soon I come to this sign that says, Welcome to Bernieville. And, um, and I, I found out it was a very strange place, and they named it in honor of our self-avowed socialist Senator Bernie Sanders. And I said, okay, well, interesting. Let me see what, you know, Bernieville looks like. So first thing I noticed is that, and I, I was talking to one of the locals about what life is like in Bernieville, and he explained, well, first of all, all of the baristas at the local Starbucks and the burger flippers at McDonald's, they all have college degrees because college is free and everybody gets to go to college. Um, they all make a minimum wage of $15 an hour, but of course there's a lot less of them since at that wage rate, it was more cost effective for the operators uh, of the owners of those establishments 
to replace them with robots and automated burger flippers. Uh, and oh, by the way, um, that a latte there now costs nine dollars, and a Big Mac costs twelve dollars. Uh, just one of those side effects. Um, part of these high of those high prices were also attributable to the high cost of electricity in the village. The townspeople had voted to only allow electricity generated by wind farms and solar panels to be sold in the town. And that more than doubled everybody's cost of electricity, adding to the cost of everything prepared or sold in the town. And those high prices were particularly tough on the residents since they saw their income tax rate go up by more than 60% of their gross incomes to pay for those free college tuitions that all the village people were entitled to. Uh, it wasn't that bad initially, but after all of, quote, the rich people who hadn't been paying their, the very high but undefined fair share, because they said, well, you guys need to pay their fair share. And they kept asking, well, what is the fair share? And nobody could give them an answer. <laughs> but they all decided to just up and left town because guess what? Money is fung fungible. Um, yeah. Side note, uh, last year, 6,700 millionaires in this country renounced their U.S. citizenship. Uh, left the country and took their money and their tax dollars with them. Oh, wow. Um, so, you know, money's fungible. And of course, you heard Elon Musk just changed his residency from California to Texas. California has a 13% top in income tax rate. Texas has a 0% income tax rate. So Elon Musk is now officially a resident of Texas. Um, but anyway, the quote, the rich people, uh, decided they'd had enough, and most of them moved out of town because of the high city tax they had, which left the total tax burden on the remaining middle-class people. Uh, plus, all of the manufacturing businesses left town as well in search of lower tax rates and more affordable labor pool. And, and of course, that left the burden on those citizens who remained and still had a job. Now, because there were no manufacturing jobs left in the village and the welfare and unemployment benefits were so high, their unemployment rate was above 30%. And most of those still motivated to work had to find work in neighboring villages because everyone in, and because everyone in Bernieville had a college degree, if you needed an electric, a lowly electrician, plumber, or mechanic, they had to be brought in from the neighboring towns. Now, none of the residents owned a gun and you would think that would make it a very safe place but criminals had gotten very bold knowing that they could rob and assault people with very little risk of bodily injury to themselves and a very small risk of arrest with a police response time in excess of 15 minutes. Now, the politicians there continually told people and made promises they couldn't possibly keep. But despite that, the citizens of Bernieville continued to reelect them because they apparently believed that all of the town's problems were the fault of the previous mayor, who, who by the way, had passed away uh, 40 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> the town's streets, sewer, and water systems were all in a sad state of disrepair since the town had been spending more than it took in annually in tax revenues and had already borrowed more than two times its annual tax revenues. And the bond markets refused to lend the town any more money uh, by buying any more of their uh, tax-free municipal bonds, which they uh, didn't think the town could ever pay back. Uh, because they would fear an imminent default, so they couldn't even borrow more money. However, if you needed medical care, you were in luck because uh, medical care in the town was free. The only downside was that there was a seven-month wait to see the town's only remaining doctor, and if you needed imme immediate uh, emergency care, you had to drive to the neighboring town 
and pay for it out of pocket, even though you could have gotten it free back in Bernieville. So if, I, if for everyone, if anybody and your listeners want directions to the paradise, paradise known as Bernieville, just ask Bernie or vote for the, any of the other Democrats running for presidents uh, in 2024. So, all right. and and Bernie may even help your town turn into a Bernieville. So you know, if if you want to do it without traveling, you could do that. But no, that you know, that's sad. It really is because that that's where so much of this country seems to be heading. Uh, kind of a, a welfare state, um, and and unfortunately, there are there are towns and particularly places like California where you're already halfway there. So, yeah. all right, uh, moving on to uh, unions now. For years and years, uh, unions have been uh, supportive, huge supporters of the Democratic Party. You talk about the United Auto Workers, the AFL-CIO, the Communication Workers of America, the T the Teachers uh, Federation Union. They have donated, I think, in the uh, 2020 campaign, they donated collectively more than $30 million, and 99% of it is at the uh, state and federal level. And of course, it's no secret that uh, the Democratic Party and, and Biden are big supporters of unions. One exception, um, last week, the Biden administration announced that they would no longer recognize uh, the labor union that represents the uh, Border Patrol agents. Apparently, as you may have read in the news, that the Border Patrol union has been very critical of the Biden administration and the, and the labor shortages, that they're overwhelmed and they refuse to, and the administration refuses to allow them to hire any more uh, border agents. Right now, we're seeing over 200,000 uh, illegal immigrants a month being apprehended uh, by ICE and another 50,000 a month are coming through, uh, not being, I mean, they have them on camera. Yep. Here's a group of 20 just came across, but we don't have the manpower to go get them. And the, uh, border ICE and border patrol union has been very, very critical of the administration. Uh, so critical about the administration finally said, we're not going to recognize you anymore as the bargain collective bargaining agent for ICE and border patrol. So that's just a, a news item you probably didn't hear on the evening news so absolutely and, and let me just ask a question there because i think some people are hearing that the border patrol is in fact apprehending x number of people every week every month and it sounds great but are those people not in turn just being released back into the society right they're processed they're photographed they're fingerprinted they are given what's called a notice to appear for a future court date, and then they're they're released. And, and you know, and I have to I have to chuckle. Uh, you may have heard that Governor the Texas Governor Greg Abbott has sent a couple of busloads of um, of those people. By the way, of the two hundred thousand, some are going into Arizona, some are going to California, but the majority are coming across the border in Texas and being released released into Texas. Yeah. And so he has been dealing. He's been trying to absorb. 100,000 uh, illegal aliens a month into the state of Texas. Uh, and he's they're having to feed them, house them, educate them, provide medical care for them. So he sends uh, two bus, uh, I think two bus loads to New York City, one bus load to, uh, to Washington, D.C., which, by the way, have both proclaimed themselves to be sanctuary cities. And right away, the mayor of New York and the mayor of, of uh, Washington, D.C. are saying, 
we can't handle this. It's overburdening our system. We need, <laughs> we need federal aid. <laughs> wow. Nobody's, nobody's offered any federal aid to Texas who is, has yeah. it in the past year has absorbed over a million illegal aliens, but send 200 to New York city and you'll hear the squeal, you know, all over the national news. Crazy. All right. Um, our health minute today, um, a study was released a couple of days ago that said most Americans are not getting enough vitamin E. And you say, well, what's vitamin E and what's it going to do for me? Well, vitamin E is important to brain health. Um, a lack of insufficient vitamin E can lead to early onset Alzheimer's, vision problems. Um, so and if, particularly if you have a history of Alzheimer's in your family, um, if you're not taking a multivitamin that has vitamin E, you should take one because 90% of Americans are not uh, not getting enough vitamin E in their diet. So uh, I won't explain what foods have them, but you can just Google uh, sources of vitamin E and vitamin E deficiency. Uh, and what you'll read uh, will probably scare you. And, and hopefully, if you're not already taking a good multivitamin every day, you'll do that. All right. So, Hosper, coming up on your 30 minutes, um, I want to play for you a little. Uh, I want to get to what I call the taxpayer relief shot. And before I read you my little disclaimer, I want to play for you a clip from the sheriff of Santa Rosa County, California, uh, Florida, who explains uh, what, what their position is on homeowners uh, defending their defending themselves from intruders into their house. Let me see if I can get this little clip from the Santa Rosa County Sheriff to play. Here we go. All right. Not if somebody's breaking in your house, you're more than welcome to shoot them in Santa Rosa County. We prefer that you do actually. Hopefully you'll save the taxpayers money. <laughs> and in case you didn't hear that, then I'm gonna play that one again. <laughs> Not if somebody's breaking in your house, you're more than welcome to shoot them in Santa Rosa County. We prefer that you do actually. Hopefully you'll save the taxpayers money. <laughs> All right. That's that's hysterical. <laughs> And that, by the way, is the sheriff of Santa Rosa, Kelly, California. Now, um, I've got one today that I believe this comes to us from Indianapolis. And um, when I read you these, when I play these stories for you, um, I bring you these stories about. I mean, it's saying. All right. I didn't mean to start that, but that's. Hit the wrong button. That happens sometimes. All right. You know, I bring you these stories about private. I bring you these stories about private citizens. Uh, using legal deadly force to protect their own lives and the lives of others uh, because we celebrate the God-given and constitutional right of people to protect themselves against death and serious bodily injury at the hands of others. I call them taxpayer relief shots because when the legal use of that deadly force results in the death of the criminal or assailant, it does save the taxpayers the cost of a jury trial, which typically includes the cost of a, a, cost of a court appointed public defender and the fifty dollars to $80,000 per year in costs associated with the arrest and imprisonment of that criminal. So here's one, uh, happens to be a black gentleman. It's, it's, uh, it's really heart-wrenching to hear this guy talk about why he had to shoot this uh, intruder into his home. But And by the way, this happens multiple times every week. I just picked this one out of a bunch. Here we go. I mean, it's sad, but, you know, it bees like it over here in this neighborhood. First at six o'clock for the second time, a man has had to shoot a home intruder, but this time it turned deadly. Tonight, we're talking to that homeowner who pulled the trigger. This happened around four this morning on West 34th 
near MLK Jr. Street on the north side. WRTV's Adam Shume spoke to him and also explains what rights homeowners have when it comes to self-defense. The homeowner who lives here on this north side home told me that this is at least the second time that somebody tried to break into his home since 2014. He told me that he just has to do what he has to do to stay safe. I'm quite sure that, you know, other steps can be taken to uh, make sure that uh, if they don't want to understand, and I guess I'm going to have to make them understand. Nearly eight years later, Howard Murphy is once again questioning why his northwest side home was broken into. It's depressing because, you know, you, you work so hard to get what you want for somebody to come in and just take it. In November of 2014, a suspect broke into his home. Murphy shot that man. That suspect survived. That suspect was arrested. Friday morning, Murphy was faced with the same situation. Police say Murphy shot and killed 64-year-old Steve Shepard Jr. after he broke into his home. It happened so fast in the front room that he took a video game and threw it at me. Then after that, shots rang out. Murphy says he noticed that his home was broken into days before and expected the same intruders to come back once again. Apparently somebody was just probably watching me and decided to break in my house. I reached out to Guy Relford. He's an attorney who focuses on Second Amendment issues. You can defend your home, including with deadly force. Ralford is talking about the state's castle doctrine, which allows Hoosiers to act against acts of violence. Where the where the trigger is pulled and someone uses deadly force, that's specifically justified under Indiana law if they have that reasonable belief that they're preventing or terminating an unlawful entry into their home. I hope these other guys either learn a lesson from it. Uh, not. There's plenty of spots over in Crown Hill. Working for you, Adam Shumes, WRTV. Here's what Indiana law says is directly from the state's gun owner's bill of rights. Quote, an individual has a right to protect his or her home from unlawful intrusion and to defend themselves and third parties from physical harm and crime. Therefore, you have the right to protect yourself or a third person with the use of deadly force without the duty to retreat if you believe that the force is necessary to prevent or terminate the other person's unlawful entry into your dwelling or occupied motor vehicle, end quote. All right. Um, wow. Wow. And, and again, that is not, you know, uh, some people like to say that, you know, the, the, the good guy with a gun is a myth. No, it's not a myth. I can assure you that. There are half a dozen stories exactly like that every week. Not all of them. Sometimes it winds up with the thug in the hospital, uh, but more than half the time it winds up with the, the, the thug. It's what I call DRT, dead right there, which is what happened in this case. Um, by the way, just a comment. You heard reference to Castle Doctrine and duty to retreat. In, I believe, 47 states in, in, the, in this country, there's something called the Castle Doctrine which says if you encounter somebody in your home uninvited, uh, there's a uh, an assumption that your life is your, your life is at risk, or your you know, Colorado they had the Castle Doctrine. I think in Arizona too that it's no questions asked. If you encounter somebody in your home at two o'clock in the morning uh, and you shoot them, uh, you're within your rights to do that, and you can't be prosecuted. But you also heard duty to retreat. There's about three states, and unfortunately, New Jersey is one of them. Uh, that has this law that says if you encounter somebody in your home, you can only shoot as last resort. Uh, and what it basically says, you have to go run and hide, you know, go run to your bedroom and lock the door and call 911. And only if you have run out of options to evade and av avoid the person 
who was in your home illegally, can you then legally use deadly force to protect yourself? So uh, before any of your listeners say, yeah, I can shoot somebody in my house. Yeah, in 47 states you can, but make sure you're not in one of those states that has a, a duty to retreat law instead of a castle doctrine law. Um, Absolutely. And I would just encourage people, not only do I think you should have a gun at your disposal, I have one in my house. I have several actually, but it you need more than that. Get yourself some training, go out to the shooting range, practice, know what you're doing because at two o'clock in the morning, it's dark inside. You got to reach for that weapon. You better know what you're doing. Otherwise, you're going to get yourself hurt and you don't want to have that happen. Yeah, don't don't have a tool that you don't know how to use and don't know how to use proficiently. And that applies right. to guns, guns, hammers, uh, you know, power saws. You know, if you have a tool, you better know how to use it. Plus, with that, we're running out of time. So I just want to thank all of uh, all of uh, those who uh, listened to this podcast and for giving up about 30 minutes out of your busy day to listen to me ramble on about things that I, that I find of interest and importance. And I hope you found those topics as interesting and important as I did. And if so, I hope you continue to listen to this podcast in the weeks and months to come. If you want to see some of the materials and story links you heard me talk about today, you can find them hopefully on the KHE show page for me. And I also have a, a, a website called jerseyjoe.com and it's Jersey spelled J-E-R-Z-E-E. -E. It's not Jersey, it's J-E-R-Z-E-E, -E, jerseyjoe.com. Uh, and if you want to email me with a comment, question, you want to argue with me, you want to tell me I got something wrong, or you want to, you want me to talk, you want to suggest a show topic you want me to talk about in the future, you can do that by just sending me an email to simply joe at jerseyjoe.com. And again, it's Jersey with a Z. And Haas, that's all I got, unless you got something else. Man, all I got is, let's do this again next week, because this is good stuff. All right. Looking forward to it. Sounds good. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Uh, to everybody for tuning in. Take care. Take care. Be safe. Bye-bye.